Well, welcome back. And um, so this is our second message tonight. This is uh, part four of the Great Reset series. <clears throat> and I've entitled this message, uh, Welcome to 2030. Welcome to 2030. And you're going to hear what they have planned for you and for me in nine short years, the World Economic Forum, that is. <clears throat> I want to, um, as Pastor Bob knows and my friend Rich Nimmer knows, I don't like to talk about myself. I don't, I don't really like to kind of come out and tell you my whole life story when I'm up here. I don't feel like that's really why you're here, uh, to hear about my life story. But I am going to share with you a little bit about my background, <clears throat> because a lot of people kind of find it unusual when they learn my background, that I'm not your average guy who went to seminary uh, and became a pastor. That wasn't how I became a pastor. I became a pastor because God called me, I believe, into the ministry, and I fought him on it for a while, and finally I gave in, and here I am. But uh, my background is in finance. I was an economics minor. I was a political science major, wanting to go into law or international business when I was in college, Cal Poly San Luis Obispo, and then some other junior colleges, Cuesta College, uh, Fullerton Junior College, Hancock College, and Santa Maria, uh, where I was studying economics, uh, primarily microeconomics, like small business economics rather than macroeconomics, um, and, and not sure if I wanted to go into law or if I wanted to go into finance. But when I was 21, I dropped out of college because I passed my Series 7 exam uh, to become a stockbroker when I was 21 years old in uh, Irvine. My uncle was a, a bond broker. He was a commodities broker, very successful, my mom's uh, older brother. <clears throat> and he introduced me to a firm called Chatfield & Dean that was expanding out of Florida and Chicago uh, into Southern California. They were opened in a big office. On a, in a big skyscraper downtown Irvine, and they were looking for young stockbrokers. And so I uh, studied, I passed the Series 7 exam, barely passed it with a 71%, and I dropped out of college, and I never went back to college. So I'm really uneducated in the sense of people who have degrees and college degrees. I don't have any college degrees, uh, but I did have a, a license as a stockbroker uh, for many, many years. I have my Series 7, my Series 63, uh, license, which allowed me to sell stocks in all 50 states, uh, and I was fairly successful at it. I was a, a good salesman, they said, and kind of had a mind for it, and I, the math came easy to me and so forth. Um, I got out of that industry when I was 24 years old, actually when I got saved, because it had become such a downward spiral for me uh, morally. I was partying, I was doing drugs, I was, you know, really living in the fast lane at that time in my early 20s, and it was really, I was kind of going down the drain pretty fast. Uh, the money and, and, and the power, the people that I hung out with and things, it was just, it was just not good for me. It was destroying me. And the Lord saved me, had showed me mercy. I walked away from my career as a, as a stockbroker and uh, started working in jewelry stores. My dad owned a jewelry store, so I grew up selling jewelry with my dad. He owned Clark Jewelers and Arroyo Grande for many years. I managed jewelry stores before that. Um, so I went and started working in the mall selling jewelry, and then I was promoted, became a manager of a jewelry store in Simi Valley. Uh, and then I basically got recruited to become a district manager, first a store manager, then a district manager with U-Haul, believe it or not. Uh, U-Haul was on an active hiring campaign in Simi Valley at this time, and the uh, I had a breakdown, rented a truck and trailer, and the manager there would just not let me go. He was a good Christian guy. I was a Christian at that point. 
and he uh, wanted me to, to work for U-Haul. So I started working for him, tired of you know being in retail and not having Christmas or Thanksgiving, all the things that go along with working in jewelry sales. You lose your holidays and all the rest. And so I started working, uh, I was probably 26 years old, maybe 27 when I started working for U-Haul. First as a uh, assistant store manager uh, in Simi Valley and then promoted to an assistant store manager in Agora Hills and we had famous people coming in from Malibu all the time and things. Uh, and then I got promoted to the store manager, the general manager, I think it was probably 27, maybe, yeah, probably 27, maybe 26. Uh, the general manager of the U-Haul store by the Burbank Airport, which is right off of Hollywood Way in Burbank off of the 5 Freeway. And I managed that store for about a year and a half, and then I was promoted to district manager for U-Haul, area field manager, uh, and I took over the whole central coast from Lompoc, uh, uh, basically just north of Santa Barbara, all the way to San Miguel, Paso Robles, uh, Morro Bay, and everything in between. Um, and then I, I was tired of working seven days a week as a district manager for U-Haul. Uh, I was very successful. I was the area field manager of the year, uh, my second year in the position. And, um, and I, they wanted to promote me back to LA to become a marketing company president in Van Nuys, which I had no interest in. I already didn't have a life at this point. Uh, so I started looking back in the world of finance. And I uh, put my resume out there. Uh, Edward Jones ended up picking me up, a financial services firm. They saw that I had pr prior had been licensed as a Series 7 stockbroker and had several years as a licensed broker. So they knew I had experience. And uh, so they hired me to be a stockbroker for them. I had to pass my Series 7 exam a second time. Talk to anybody who's a stockbroker, ask them how hard it is to pass your Series 7. And then I had to do it twice because the first time it expired, you have to keep it up or it expires. So, uh, so I got my Series 7 the second time uh, with Edward Jones, opened an office for them in Santa Maria, then I got promoted to a much larger office in Lancaster, California. That's when I moved to Tehachapi, so I commuted to Lancaster every day for work, took over a $35 million book of business, had about 800 clients, and I was doing really well. Uh, that's when I started the first church in Tehachapi, and long story short, Edward Jones, my brokerage firm, did not want me to be a pastor at that time. They said it was a conflict of interest. Um, so I ended up going to work for Union Bank of California as a senior financial advisor for Union Bank of California. I then passed my Series 6, 66 license, which is the Registered Investment Advisory license, where you can manage up to a quarter million dollars of people's money without having to even tell them what you're doing with their money. It's more... Uh, freedom as a broker to be able to uh, exercise discretion with other people's money. Uh, and so I was a, a registered investment advisor and a stockbroker. Uh, I was a senior financial advisor for UBOC. I would go down to Wilshire and Figueroa where all the giant skyscrapers are down there uh, in, in Los Angeles and training and so forth. I managed the uh, Lancaster office, the Palmdale office, and the Santa Clarita office as their senior financial advisor. So when the banking client got people with big money, they sent them to the financial advisor and we would give them other options other than just CDs or savings accounts. Um, and uh, later I went to work for an, another uh, brokerage firm called Kern Schools Federal Credit Union, which was closer to home in Tehachapi. Uh, I took over the branch in Tehachapi, also was the uh, financial advisor for them uh, in Ridgecrest and also in Bakersfield for one of their many branches in Bakersfield. 
And I was pastoring at the same time. So when I left Edward Jones, I was still pastoring the church in Tehachapi, although I didn't take a salary from it because I was working full-time and pastoring full-time for about six years. Uh, and then finally the church got big enough where it was able to afford to hire me full-time so that I left my job and never went back. Probably, well, it was in 2008 when the stock market crashed uh, in September of 2008 is uh, when I, I left the uh, securities industry kind of in the rearview mirror. So I uh, have a background in finance. I have a background in economics. Uh, I understand it more than most people. So when I'm telling you about what's happening with the Rockefellers and with the Barclays and with the royal families of Europe and with uh, the uh, Rothschilds, and with the Carnegie's, and with the Ford Foundation, and with all of the big billionaire money people who helped build America and really build Western Europe, um, you know, I, I, I have a little more of an understanding than most people do about that world of, of finance and of money and banking and interest rates and the Federal Reserve Banks, the central banks, uh, and so forth, the stock markets and everything else. Uh, one reason I know that what's happening right now is not normal is the stock market is at an all-time high, which makes no economic sense at all. The stock market is, is off the charts, and the economies of the world are collapsing. So you know that there's something behind this that's, that, that's, that's pushing uh, some agenda. And the rich are getting richer, the poor are getting poorer, and the 1%, the 1% of the 1% have never been richer than they are today. Uh, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, uh, Jeff Bezos, and all of these tech giants, these tech gurus, uh, Dempsey, Jack Dempsey from Twitter, these guys are filthy rich. I mean, literally, not only do they have billions and billions of dollars, uh, but they control the internet. And so they have tremendous power over the populations and the governments, really, of the world. Um, so I only say that just to let you know that I have uh, a little bit of, a, of an understanding of kind of what's going on from a different perspective. I'm not some pastor out of seminary at 21 who's telling you all these things that I just read on the internet that I'm sharing with you, although I did find most of this on the internet. Um, I understand a lot of it probably more than most people would, certainly more probably than, than most pastors would, only because that was my background. So. I want to continue on here with information uh, from the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum is this group that is uh, pushing this whole agenda. It was founded in 1971 by Klaus Schwab, who's a German. He was born in uh, 1938. He was born into Hitler's regime, although he doesn't claim to be a Nazi. Uh, he was born under, un, under Hitler in 1938 in Germany uh, with all of those controls and, and, and all of the uh, SS soldiers on the streets and, and, and uh, all of the people. Uh, in, other, in other words, he was born under that order of the fascist Nazi regime. That's what he grew up in. And, and so it, it's kind of like he's wanting to get back to that to some degree, total control of the government over the population of the world. He founded the World Economic Forum in 1971. Uh, and there's so many other groups that are out there that are tied into this. The, the, the uh, Club of Rome uh, was founded in 1968, and they came up with a lot of these ideas that he then assimilated uh, into his program for the world. And it all relates to the European royal families and the European bankers who control the world's money supply, basically taking control of the world is, is basically what is 
happening. And this is what their agenda has been, uh, certainly since 1968, when uh, the Club of Rome was founded, 1971, when the World Economic Forum was founded. You could all go all the way back to the uh, uh, Brenton Woods Conference uh, back in 1947, right after 40, I think it was actually in 45, it was right around the end of World War II, when they wanted to create a global currency. And a lot of people wanted a global, matter of fact, it was Hitler's idea in 1939, 1940, to get all the nations of the world together, the European nations in America, to have one currency, that the whole world would use one currency. And of course, he wanted it to be, Hitler wanted it to be the, to, to be the, the Deutschmark uh, in the 1940s, and then Hitler lost the war, of course. Um, the British wanted to do this with the British pound after World War II, that the British pound would be the sovereign currency of the world. Uh, but the Americans didn't go along with that because the Americans really won World War II for Britain. Britain was a disaster. It was completely destroyed after, so was Europe after World War II. The United States was intact to the victory go the spoils. And so we ended up going with the dollar, not as the currency that the whole world uses, the U.S. dollar, but we became the banker's world currency that everybody clears their banking through. All the banking transactions around the world uh, have to use the dollar in order to do their exchanges between their own sovereign currencies. And that was, again, because we were the victors of World War II and we were sitting in that position of power. Uh, but the, the idea came up at Bretton Woods at this conference of having this one currency that the whole world would use. You would get rid of all of the fiat sovereign currencies like the British pound, the German Deutschmark, the Spanish lira, all of the different, the US dollar, you'd get rid of all the, the, the uh, yuan, yuan of, of the Chinese or the yen of the Japanese. There's all these currencies. Everybody's trading. They have to do exchange rates and figure out how much your currency's worth against another basket of currencies. The United States dollar became the world's reserve currency for all the central bankers, all the international bankers had to deal in US dollars, which gave us a very powerful position in the international banking world, really since after World War II. And of course, the Europeans, the Europeans do not like dealing uh, with, with, with the United States dollars, neither do uh, really most of the, the world's population. They're done with America being the ones who are in charge of the international economy. Our time has come and gone, they, they feel. Um, so this is what they are predicting. Some of what I'm gonna to read to you is, was on their website, on the World Economic Forum website. Uh, you could go to the World Economic Forum website, WEF, uh, for yourself and read about Klaus Schwab and they paint him with glowing colors, of course, about how he's this you know, uh, guy who wants to just save the world and help the world and so benevolent and kind and wants to do good for the world. In reality, they're trying to take over the world, literally. These billionaires, again, don't care about us. Jack Dempsey doesn't care about you. Mark Zuckerberg doesn't care about you. I'm sorry to bust your bubble, who, you who love Facebook. Uh, he cares about himself and about money. Bill Gates does not care about you. Bill Gates doesn't care about the African people with the inoculations or the Indian people. He has an agenda. Warren Buffett doesn't care about you. Mar uh, Michael Bloomberg does not care about you. George Soros doesn't care about you. The Rockefellers don't care about you, neither do the Rothschilds or any of these other billionaire banking families. They don't care about us, except for how they could use us and enslave us to keep them at the top and keep us at the bottom. It shouldn't take rocket science to figure that out. 
They have power. We don't. They're going to stay in power. We're not going to ever be able to challenge their power. And this is what is uh, coming up with the World Economic Forum. So they, they, they used to have a, when you, when you would go to the World Economic Forum and you would look at the 2030 agenda about what their plan was for 2030, on their website, it used to say this. It used to say, welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Let me read this to you. This was on their website up until very recently when they realized this wasn't very popular to have on their so they changed it. But a lot of people screenshotted this. This was uh, uh, November 11th, 2016 that this was screenshotted. They've taken this down off of their website for obvious reasons now. But basically they were saying, Welcome to 2030, I own nothing, I have no privacy, and life has never been better. Sounds like communism to me, or fascism. Now they've changed it to this, where it says, uh, when you look up the 2030 agenda, it says, here's how life could change in my city by the year 2030. So they've kind of toned it down a little bit. Uh, they're not quite showing as much of their hand uh, as they were initially. Uh, and so this is what they're uh, plan is and was. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing. I have no privacy and life has never been better. Now they have uh, eight predictions uh, for the world in 2030. This, I don't know if they've changed this, but this is from their very website, the World Economic Forum website. This is a screenshot. Uh, eight predictions for the world in 2030. One of the first predictions is this. The United States will no longer be the world's superpower. This is on their website. By the year 2030, these Europeans are saying, and not just Europeans, Bill Gates is an American, he's part of this too. So are the Rockefellers and so are this George Soros and Bloomberg. Uh, they're saying the United States is no longer gonna be the world's leading superpower by 2030. Mark that, that's in nine short years. We've been the world's superpower since after World War II, as you, I'm sure, are aware. But their plan is to take America down. Uh, they also say, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Okay, look at the smiling young guy right there on their website. Screenshotted from the World Economic Forum. Again, they've probably taken this down by now, but this is what it said. You'll own nothing and you'll be happy. Uh, whatever you want, you'll rent and it will be delivered by drone. And there's a picture. This is in 2030 what they're telling us is coming. The powers that be. Whatever you want, you'll rent. Because remember, you don't own anything anymore. But you're happy. You have no privacy. You own nothing. And you've never been happier. Uh, and whatever you want, you'll rent. And it will be delivered to you by drone. And there's a little flying drone. Other pictures have the little driving drones that go and bring packages and flying drones. They say that's what's going to be uh, the norm by 2030. Um, you will eat much less meat they're going to basically make it illegal to trade in beef or in meat because they say that meat is, this is all to save the planet is what they're selling this as, to save the planet. Like Greta Thornburg, 
You know, the whole world's going to end if we don't stop climate change and get rid of greenhouse gas emissions and get rid of oil and get rid of natural gas and get rid of cars and get rid of airplanes and everything else, trucks and semis and all the rest. And so they're saying that because cattle takes too much water to grow their food and grow their crops and feed them uh, and they provide too much greenhouse gas emissions with their waste, uh, as you've heard, you've heard this in the news. Uh, so they're saying you're going to eat much less meat, probably like no meat at all is probably what they're talking about. And here's what this guy said. And again, this was right on their website. I'm reading to you from screenshots of their website that it's probably changed by now. Maybe some of this is still there. They probably tweaked it. Uh, but this is the, the young guy that was smiling that says he owns nothing. He has no privacy. He's never been happier. This is what he says. Welcome to the year 2030. Welcome to my city, or should I say our city. I don't own anything. I don't own a car. I don't own a house. I don't own any appliances or any clothes. Sounds wonderful, right? Doesn't that sound great to you all? He says it might seem odd to you, but it makes perfect sense for us in this city. Everything you considered a product has now become a service. We have access to transportation, accommodation, food, and all the things we need in our daily lives. One by one, all of these things became free. So it ended up not making sense for us to own much. First, communication became digitized and free to everyone. Then when clean energy became free, things started to move quickly. Transportation dropped dramatically in price. It made no sense for us to own cars anymore because we could call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. This is literally what it says on their website. I'll read that to you again. By 2030, we're not going to own cars anymore because we could all call a driverless vehicle or a flying car for longer journeys within minutes. We started transporting ourselves in a much more organized and coordinated way when public transport became easier, quicker, and more convenient than the car. Now, I can hardly believe that we accepted congestion and traffic jams, not to mention the air pollution from combustion uh, engines. What were we thinking, it says. This is in nine years. This is their plan. He says, sometimes I use my bike when I go to see some of my friends. I wonder if he's allowed to own a bike or if he rented his bike. He calls it his bike. Uh, sometimes I use my bike. When I go to see some of my friends, I enjoy the exercise and the ride. It kind of gets the soul to come along for the journey. Funny how some things never seem to lose their excitement. Walking, biking, cooking, drawing, and growing plants. It makes perfect sense and reminds us of how our culture emerged out of a close relationship with nature. Now remember, they're targeting the young people with this ideology, I would say primarily, because those who are older than probably 50 would never agree to any of this unless we were forced to, right? I'm not 50 yet, but I'm just saying anybody over 50 is going to say no way. But anybody that's 20 years and younger would say, that's for me. Sign me up. I want to stay home and play video games all day, get my universal basic income check directly deposited to my cryptocurrency account that's tied to my you know, uh, uh, patch that I have in my arm. 
uh, and I could play video games. I could call my little Uber driver, my flying car to pick me up. I could ride my bike and, you know, do my cooking and grow my plants or whatever. I could, you know, have things delivered to my door. I'll rent my clothes and all the rest. He continues, he says, environmental problems seem far away. In our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using... No, I, I want to show this to you because this is on their website. I, nobody, no guy made this. This wasn't a leak from Canada. This is on the World Economic Forum's website. This is their plan, or it was unless they took this down recently because it's getting out there. But he says, in our city, we don't pay any rent because someone else is using our free space whenever we do not need it. My living room is used for business meetings when I am not there. Remember, no privacy? Because you're not going to own your own house in this world. You're going to be sharing a house, like an Airbnb sort of a scenario all the time, where you're always kind of like scheduled to rent space to sleep or to work or what have you there uh, uh, in, 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 your, in your house. He says, my living room is used for business meetings when I'm not there. Once in a while, I will choose to cook for myself. It is so easy. The necessary kitchen equipment is delivered at my door within minutes. Since transport became free, we stopped having all those things stuffed into our home. Why keep a pasta maker and a crepe cooker crammed into our cupboards? We could just order them when we need them. He says, this also made the breakthrough of the circular economy easier. When products are turned into services, no one has an interest in things with a short lifespan. Everything is designed for durability, repairability, and recyclability. The materials are flowing more quickly in our economy and can be transformed to new products pretty easily. Environmental problems seem far away, because remember they're gonna save the planet from us humans who are destroying the planet. Since we can only use clean energy and clean production methods, the air is clean, the water is clean, and nobody would dare to touch the protected areas of nature because they constitute such value to our well-being. In the cities, we have plenty of green space and plants and trees all over. I still do not understand why in the past we filled all free spots in the city with concrete. These are the most powerful people in the world planning this. You need to listen when the most powerful wealthy people in the world are saying this is what's coming. Now notice that he says he's going to have trees and plants and green spaces in the city, but you're not allowed to go out in nature. He says nobody would go and dare to touch the protected areas of nature because they constitute such value to our well-being. In other words, you're not going to be allowed to be outside of the city is what he's saying. You're going to be marked, you're going to be tagged, you're going to be tracked. This is what's coming. And you're going to be tied in to the Internet of Things uh, in the cities. And they can't get 5G out into the rural areas. So they're going to make it basically illegal for you to live anywhere else but the cities where they can control you. He continues here. He says, the death of shopping. He says, shopping? I can't really remember what that is. For most of us, it has been turned into choosing things to use. Remember, you're not buying anything anymore. So it's not shopping, it's choosing things to use. Sometimes I find this fun, 
and sometimes I just want the algorithm to do it for me. It knows my taste better than I do by now. The algorithm is based on your data, your information that they're saving on you with everything you do online. So the computers, the AI, is, and the algorithms are gonna be deciding what you want and you could just let the computer brain pick for you what you're gonna eat for dinner that night. And the guy's saying, I don't really even choose anymore what I'm gonna do. The algorithm picks it for me. This is from their website. Doesn't this sound wonderful? Aren't you excited for what's coming in 2030? He says, they live different kind of lives outside the city. Now listen to this about the people who don't go along with the program. This is for the people who refuse to get vaccinated and go along with this agenda. 2030. He says they live different kind of lives outside the city. My biggest concern is all of the people who do not live in our city, those we lost on the way, those who decided that it became too much, all this technology, those who felt obsolete and useless when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs. And make no mistake, they're predicting that 60% of all jobs will be gone that we know about by 2025. 60% of the jobs are gonna be replaced by robots, AI, and computers by 2025. And by 2030, 85% of the jobs that will be employed in 2030 do not even exist today, is what the World Economic Forum says. It's gonna be that dramatic of a decade in the change of technology. So he says when robots and AI took over big parts of our jobs, that's by the way why you need the universal basic income because there's not gonna be any work left for the common people unless you're a computer programmer or you could repair robots or something, you know, create code. He says they live different kind of lives outside the city. Some have formed little self-supplying communities. Others just stayed in the empty and abandoned houses in small 19th century villages. Once in a while, I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy. Yeah, you think? You'd get annoyed that you don't have any privacy? You share a home with strangers? He says, sometimes I get annoyed about the fact that I have no real privacy, know where I can go and not be registered. I know that somewhere everything I do, think, and dream is recorded. This is their plan. They're going to implant computer chips into our brain. Go look at Neuralink with Elon Musk with his little pigs running around with USB drives in their brains. This is what is coming. They want to chip human beings and basically enslave us. They're going to sterilize the whole human race. They're going to create through DNA basically a population of their own kind which is what Jeffrey Epstein wanted to do, actually. He was such a sick man, but he was actually wanting to start a breeding facility. I think it was in Colorado. One of the strange things about that pervert Epstein was that he wanted to have 20 women there at all times that he could impregnate and have babies with so that he could populate the earth with his DNA. So these people, they're taking your DNA, by the way, your 23andMe, your Ancestry.com, they have all of that information. They know everyone's DNA. I've never taken any of those things. They're taking your DNA from the nose, the thing that they shove down your nose for the swab. They're saving your DNA. So they know who they want to get rid of. 
Think about Hitler if Hitler had that technology to get rid of the inferior races or turn people into slaves or sterilize them like eugenics was doing 100 years ago in this country, like the Nazi doctors were doing to the Jews in the concentration camps. This is what's coming. This is what they want to bring to the world. He says, um, everything that I do think and dream of is recorded. In other words, Big Brother 1984 knows even my own thoughts, knows what I dream. He says, I just hope that nobody will use it against me. This is on their own website, this poor guy's saying that. All in all, it is a good life, much better than the path we were on, where it became so clear that we could not continue with the same model of growth. We had all those terrible things happening, lifestyle diseases, coincidentally, like COVID-19 or COVID-21, right? Lifestyle diseases, climate change, the refugee crisis, environmental degradation, completely congested cities, water pollution, air pollution, social unrest, and unemployment. We lost way too many people before we realized that we could do things differently. And differently it will be. It will be much different than anything. That's why they're calling it the fourth industrial revolution. There's three prior industrial revolutions that have taken place in the last 250 years, they say. World Economic Forum speak, Klaus Schwab. This is the fourth industrial revolution that is coming by 2030 where technology will rule, literally rule the world. This is why they're sending satellites into space like crazy because they're gonna have everything controlled by 5G. As a matter of fact, they're already starting to ask people if you could give your, your internet to the sidewalk and to the street, you're gonna to start to be asked, then they're just gonna take it from you. Well, you're not gonna have a choice but to allow them to extend your Wi-Fi out of your house. Everybody in the cities under 5G are gonna to have to expand their Wi-Fi so that everywhere in the city is tracked by Wi-Fi. You'll never be able to escape. And then once they put computer chips into people or nanobots into people, which they are putting nanobots in through the vaccine, make no mistake about it, it edits your DNA and it puts nanobots, little robots, into your body, which is why they keep needing to give you more and more shots of this COVID vaccine forever, it seems like. It's not just one shot, it's multiple shots, they say, for multiple mutations that are coming. Uh, and then you are going to literally be tracked everywhere you go. And you will be sending out your own Wi-Fi signal. Basically, you're going to replace your phone. You won't need a phone anymore. It's going to be inside of you. And they're going to be able to know everything you think, everything you dream, everything you do. You don't believe it? Listen to the bil billionaires who are planning this. Listen to Elon Musk with his Neuralink. Look at the SpaceX program. Look at the Space Force that we just started, pumping billions of dollars. And this is happening all over the world to send satellites into space so that the 5G interconnects everything, the Internet of Things, with basically uh, the speed of light connections everywhere you go within the web of the cities that are going to have 5G. And then you have the connection to the satellites that are all around the globe. They're putting satellites in connection with each other all around the planet so that information will go from 5G to the satellite instantly back down to anywhere in the world instantaneously. So they will know where everyone is. They'll be able to track everybody. They will be able to prevent you from buying or selling if you do not buy in to this program. Sounds a lot like the mark of the beast in Revelation chapter 13. Now, there was an event 201. And again, you could look this up online. Event 201 
took place, it was from the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwab, he underwrote this Event 201, and it was a fantasy pandemic that might come upon the world that they wanted to prepare for just in case there was, oh, say, a COVID pandemic that would happen. October of 2019, Event 201 took place in New York City with Bill Gates. Bill Gates has his tentacles and everything related to this. He finances the World Health Organization. He's one of the big backers of the United Nations financially, National Institute of Health, Johns Hopkins University. Everyone who's involved in this, Bill Gates has money uh, and, and, and he has skin in the game here. So Bill Gates with Klaus Schwab ran this war game scenario in October of 2019, Event 201, where they uh, predicted that there was going to be a coronavirus. Here it is, coronavirus, Event 201. Now, they didn't say it was going to come from bats. They said it was going to come from a pig. But they said it was going to be a coronavirus pandemic that was going to spread to the whole world, that was going to remake our world, basically. And we'd have to know how to respond to it. So it was, it was Bill Gates. It was the National Institute of Health. It was the World Health Organization. It was the CDC. It was a tremendous number of corporate giants, corporate American uh, uh, executives were there. Uh, government leaders from around the world were there. And it was a war game scenario, a theoretical what if we had a coronavirus pandemic three months before we really had a coronavirus pandemic. So you tell me if that was coincidence or not. Event 201, coronavirus pandemic. They said it's going to start off with mild flu-like symptoms. And then for some, it will lead to severe pneumonia. This was all predicted prior to the knowledge of COVID-19. Uh, then there's going to be this... Um, uh, corona Association Pulmonary Syndrome, uh, which is going to obviously affect people who have heart issues or heart conditions uh, and so forth. And so uh, this was projected uh, to happen at some point in the future. They said they didn't know when it was going to happen, but they knew it was going to happen at some point in the future. So the world needs to prepare. The governments of the world, the medical systems of the world all need to be prepared because this COVID pandemic is coming. And lo and behold, within three months, the COVID pandemic came. I don't think Bill Gates is a prophet, but he kind of predicted this. So either he knew what was coming uh, or he influenced what happened um, or he's a prophet. And I don't think that he's a prophet of God. Uh, and so we, we have all kinds of other things that are, are, are happening here related to that, but I want to move on. The Great Reset. So what they're calling, this is what you're going to start hearing a lot of. You're going to hear uh, the Agenda 2030 in the media. You're going to hear uh, the Great Reset that's going to take place uh, in the media. You're going to hear the phrase, Build Back Better, which was Joe Biden's uh, campaign slogan for part of his campaign. Uh, Boris Johnson in the UK says we got to build back better. The World Health Organization, we have to build back better. The United Nations, we have to build back better. Everyone in the world, Justin Trudeau in Canada, we have to build back better. Australia is using the phraseology. South uh, Africa is using that phrase, build back better. So this is coming from the World Economic Forum. They're talking about tearing down and rebuilding better than what was there before. So this is, again, from the World uh, Economic Forum's website. This is David Cullen, one of the guys that I follow online who is a journalist who does a tremendous amount of research into this. 
uh, this is a screenshot uh, of what the World Economic Forum says the Great Reset is going to look like. And I'll just read to you some of what their goals are to usher in by the year 2030 for the Great Reset. He says it's going to be harnessing, this is Klaus Schwab, harnessing the fourth industrial revolution, strengthening regional development, revitalizing global cooperation, because there won't be any real sovereign nations anymore, not as we knew sovereign nations uh, historically, um, developing sustainable business models. They're going to talk about sustainability a lot, sustainability, sustainable plans uh, for the environment, and it's all about the environment, they say, to save the environment from us people who have just wrecked the world. So they need to develop sustainable business models, restoring the health of the environment. Remember all the rural places that you're not allowed to go to, those people who don't participate and live within the jail that is the city, the prison that is the 5G city. Uh, and so they uh, don't want us out there because they want to restore the health of the environment. Redesigning social contracts. I guess that would be like constitutions of countries, social contracts. Uh, skills and jobs, because remember, 60% of the jobs are going to go away that are existing today. They're going to be gone by 2025, replaced by robots and by AI and by computers. Uh, by 2030, 85% of the jobs don't even exist yet that people will be working in 2030. So yeah, we need to redesign social contracts, skills, and jobs, and shaping the economic recovery. So those are just one, two, three, four, five, six things in the little circle, and then each one has lots of little aspects to it. And I'll just read some of the uh, uh, rungs that come off of what this is all going to look like. It's going to include internet governance, 5G technology, blockchain technology, which is digital currency like Bitcoin, the use of drones, the digital transformation of businesses. There, this is already happening. If you're not online, your business is done, and this is what they want. They, they only want businesses open that they can track, monitor, and control. And if you're not online, then your business is probably going to be something that they are not going to be actively trying to support. Vaccination, interesting, they're talking about vaccinations that are going to be needed. Uh, cities and urbanization, financial and monetary systems, sustainable development, there it is again, sustainable development, biodiversity, interesting, biodiversity, uh, the future of health and healthcare, aviation, travel, and tourism, banking and capital markets, development finance, international trade and investment, global governance, public finance, and social protection, climate change. This is all what they're saying is going to be radically redefined by 2030, all of these categories. Uh, COVID-19 is on here. International security, global health, global risks, agile governance, um, workforce and employment, future economic progress, geopolitics, leadership in the fourth industrial revolution, plastics and the environment. Plastics are going to go the way of the albatross because it's a uh, petroleum product. Uh, batteries, uh, circular economy, 3D printing, advanced manufacturing and production, air pollution, so they're going to tax everybody to death who's polluting, like American businesses, for example, or factories, um, to save again the planet. Um, corporate governance, the future of food, 
environment and natural resource security, the ocean, the future of energy, the Green New Deals, it says. You want to know what's coming? Go read the Green New Deal. It's out there online. Go read the Green New Deal. This is what they are going to do if they get away with it. Green New Deals, forests, future of mobility. I guess this would be your flying cars. Uh, and then they're going to deal with social justice issues, which is interesting. They're going to deal with systemic racism. I guess they're going to get rid of systemic racism, they say. Uh, justice and law, they're going to rework and reset justice and law. Civic participation, uh, LGBTI inclusion is part of the great reset. Mark that. That's where they're going to come after the churches. That's where they're going to come after the monotheistic, monotheistic religions or any religions that speak to the sanctity of marriage. One man, one woman, uh, heterosexual marriage, monogamous for life. They are coming after, the, after us, after those who hold to an old-fashioned traditional form of morality. So this is weaved into it. This is so they could come after uh, those who will not stop teaching the word of God, like churches like ours. LGBTI inclusion is going to be part of the Great Reset. Human rights, taxation, yep, they're going to be taxing us to death. Inclus inclusive designs, artificial intelligence, the future of media, entertainment, and culture. And then it goes right back to digital uh, digital um, identity. Oh, I don't think I told you that before. Digital identity. So there's your digital ID that you have, not just where, but it's inside your body, so that you can digitally be identified without having to scan anything or wear a band or, or track you with your phone because it's going to be within your body. That's their plan. The future of computing, quantum computing, and the fourth industrial revolution. So that's where I started. So this is right there from the Great Reset's website of the World Economic Forum. It's probably still up. I don't think they've taken this down. This is their goal by the year 2030. We all want to thank you for listening. If this message has blessed you, as we all pray that it has, send the link to this podcast to your friends. Working together, we can get Michael's teaching of the whole of God's inerrant word to all those who hunger to hear it. If you would like to see this ministry expand to reach even more of the broken and lost, if you have questions, comments, and prayer requests, Email us at coah podcast at gmail.com. We would be honored to pray for you, as we hope you are praying for us. Good day and God bless from City on a Hill Church to Hatchapi, California.